Hello and welcome to mini episode 146 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from September the 23rd, 2021. And story number one comes from Helen. About 10 years ago, I was in an abusive marriage. My daughter was just a baby. And I think I might have had postnatal depression too. So I was really very unhappy. One night I woke up and I saw a little girl in a blue dress with a red ribbon skipping in and out of my room. I was obviously asleep but I felt like I was completely awake. I could see everything and hear the traffic outside the window too. I wasn't scared of her. She just seemed to be happily playing. I remember being half sat up in bed watching her but she didn't seem to notice me at all. Over the next few years my marriage got worse and worse and the little girl kept visiting me in my half-sleep every week or so. The strange thing was, is that every time she came to see me in the night, she got a little bit older. Most of the time she just sat at the end of my bed, or sometimes she held my hand, but she always had her face turned away from me. This continued over the next few years, the same little girl, just a bit older every time. The last time I saw her, things had finally gotten a little bit better in mine and my daughter's life. I'd separated from my husband and I'd begun to feel safer now that he lived in a different house. I woke up one night and the girl, who was now an old woman, was sat on my bed holding my hand. Her hair was the same style as usual but it was now completely grey. I'm not sure why I tried to talk to her this time because I've always been quite calm around her and usually just went back to sleep. This time though I tried but my voice didn't work. So I started yelling at her Who are you? Over and over again. She still had her face turned away, but when I yelled, hey, really loudly at her, she suddenly turned around and looked at me absolutely shocked. She seemed completely surprised that I had even seen her, and then I woke up. That was the last time I saw her. Not long after that, my ex was arrested and subsequently jailed for nine years. Those years leading up to this were the hardest of my life but I like to think that that lady was looking after me in some way. I've had plenty of night terrors in the past, where I can't move and scary people are trying to kill me, but this was completely different. I've looked through family photos too and I don't recognise her either. All I can think is that a friendly stranger was keeping an eye on me through the hardest time of my life. Firstly, and it goes without saying that I am so sorry that you had to go through all that, it sounds absolutely horrific. Secondly, I've never heard of an entity that steadily grew older. We've had tons of stories on the show about sleep paralysis and different types of sleep paralysis and people being stuck there and seeing the shadow man and hat man and the hag and all sorts of different things. But this really doesn't sound anything like that. Like it doesn't sound like sleep paralysis. It doesn't sound scary, as you said, that this woman would just sit and hold your hand. And it does sound like something was trying to comfort you through that awful time. But I just can't fathom the fact that she got older. And then eventually she was an old woman. That is, I'm actually a little bit baffled by that. And strain number two comes from Christine. I'm a middle school teacher. I've been at the school I currently teach at for about four years now. Like so many teachers, I'm also overworked and underpaid. But I love my job so much... I often find myself working late into the evenings and on the weekends. Let me begin by saying that this school was built only 20 years ago. It is a relatively new building 
and beautiful, very clean and put together. The place it now stands on was previously farmland. It doesn't seem like the type of place to be haunted. I don't enjoy the harsh fluorescent lighting in the building, so especially on the weekends, during the day, I like to leave the lights off. There are a few regulars who come into the school, but more than a few times I've had the place to myself. I've only experienced things when I am alone. One day I was sitting in my classroom on a Sunday morning and heard footsteps coming down the hallway outside my room. This was peculiar because there's a large set of fire doors at the end of the hallway that always remains closed when students aren't in the building. They were closed when I got to the school and I'd left them closed while I was working. If someone wanted to come into this hallway, they would have had to unlock the fire door and open it, something impossible to do without making noise. The footsteps stopped directly outside of my classroom door. Without looking up from my work, I called out hello, shocked that one of my colleagues may have managed to sneak in without me hearing them. I heard nothing in response, so I got up from my desk and walked out into the hallway but there was no one there. Another weekend, I got up early and went to the gym. I decided afterwards to run over to the school to grab a couple of papers to grade at home. It was pouring outside, and because of the weather, I decided this time to leave the lights on in the hallway. I was in my classroom for a few minutes, then sent a document to be printed in the copy room across the hall. When I left my room to go and retrieve it, I heard a sharp knock on the window of the fire door at the end of the hallway. Because the light in the hallway was on and the light in the hallway beyond the fire door was turned off, I couldn't see who it was. I figured it must have been one of my colleagues who had forgotten their key and needed to be let in. So I walked down to the end of the hall and pushed open the door. But no one was there. Another time I was in school in the evening, right before the school year started. I decided to work late. It was after 9pm by the time that I left. I exited through the main lobby. The custodial staff had been there earlier, but had since left and turned out the lights and I couldn't find the light switch for the lobby because it was pitch black. I made my way to the doors, and as I was about to leave, I heard a woman's voice call out from down the hall. I wasn't sure if it had been my imagination at first, so I turned around and listened, and sure enough the same female voice called out again. I couldn't make out what she said. I responded with, Hello? I was sure that I was the only person at the school at this point, so I was definitely feeling spooked by this. The voice did not respond this time and I quickly exited the school. I got to my car and decided to do a drive around the perimeter of the building just to make sure there weren't any other cars in the parking lot. Sure enough, there were no other cars and I had been the only person in the building at that time. I've had a couple of other small occurrences as well. I've heard doors slam from down the hall while working in the classroom. Toilets flush on their own sometimes, but possibly the most disturbing thing I've ever experienced was walking into the building on a Saturday morning, rounding the corner to my hallway and feeling an absolute sense of dread. I can't really explain it, but I was overcome with the feeling that I wasn't supposed to be there or that something really didn't want me there. The whole walk to my classroom I felt uneasy, like there were eyes on me, so much so that I ended up just grabbing a couple of things and then leaving. 
As soon as I stepped out of the hallway where my classroom was, the feeling disappeared. I tend to leave the hall lights on now. I would be leaving those hall lights on too. For sure. We all know that schools are creepy places when they're empty, whether they're new buildings or not. And obviously this building is a new building having only been built 20 years ago, as Christine pointed out. However, middle school, as I just looked up because I didn't know what age middle school was, is kind of between the ages of 10 and 13, if I'm understanding that correctly. And if you prescribe to the kind of paranormal idea that children who are around the age of starting to go through puberty can attract weird paranormal shit to them without even realising. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you're hearing voices in the school, doors banging, footsteps, all that jazz. Maybe it's just all that crazy teenage energy. And if you've ever taught a room full of teenagers, holy moly, that is crazy energy for sure. And this is just a massive shout out to all of my underpaid and overworked teachers out there. I see you. I've been there. I've done that. It is not easy. And story number three comes from Amanda. We moved into a grand old Victorian in Denver. My then husband, myself and our two small children, both girls. The house we were moving from was also an old Victorian in Denver and was definitely haunted. But that one was your run-of-the-mill footsteps walking around upstairs when no one was up there, occasional scratches, light switches being turned off and on on their own, lights flickering and the sound of angry furniture moving when we were moving out. We've heard those stories a hundred times, a thousand even. But this new house was different. When we first went to view the house, I remember remarking aloud that the house had a particularly good vibe. Very peaceful, happy even. That's what makes what happened there so strange. Looking back, it almost feels like we were tricked. I'm not sure that's possible, but that doesn't matter. We moved in and for a while we were happy there until we weren't. I've often wondered, looking back, did that house try and destroy us, or did whatever was there have a hand in influencing our self-destructive behaviour? Or maybe what was there just watched as we slowly fell apart as a family? But those are two separate stories, and one of them is too sad for me to revisit. So I'll tell you some of what happened, but not all. The house had an open floor plan, It flowed from the front door all the way through to the end of the house, which was the kitchen. This meant that while sitting on the couch in the living room and watching TV, you could see to the end of the house, the kitchen. The bedrooms were upstairs, and if you went through the kitchen and out the back door and turned left, you would find yourself at the stairwell to the basement. My husband and I worked from home, as we had our own business which was digital, So we had a lot of downtime and we loved to watch movies. So we were often on the couch during the day and night watching our movies. One day, in the middle of the day, we were sitting side by side on the couch and I saw my husband look towards the kitchen and kind of get up from his seated position. And I asked him what it was and he was utterly befuddled. He told me that he had just seen a woman walk through the kitchen and for a moment he forgot I was beside him and assumed it was me. Then he realised that I was beside him and therefore whomever was in the kitchen should not be there. I assumed he just thought he saw someone and so I calmly said, okay, well, let's go look in the kitchen. 
We both got up and checked and there was no one there. There's a possibility that if someone had been there, they could have used the door in the kitchen to leave. So we looked outside and there was nothing. No one. I asked him what the woman looked like and he said she was about my height with brown hair like me and was wearing a black dress. So that was very odd. Fast forward to a couple of months later and it happened again. And my husband told me this wasn't the second time that he had seen her. He had seen her many times while we were just sitting there watching TV in the middle of the day. I asked him why didn't he tell me and he said that he didn't want to scare me. Somehow I wasn't scared. I'd been in that kitchen every day and I never had a bad feeling. If it was just the spirit of a woman who had passed away here, I imagined that the kitchen was where she liked to be. I related to that and so we left it alone. During our time there, the volume on the TV would go from wherever we had it all the way down to zero. This happened every day. We would just raise the volume again like nothing had happened and then it would be left alone for a while. When guests would come over and they saw it, it would freak them out. And we had gotten so used to it that we would just say, yeah, it does that sometimes. One day, our girls were playing hide and seek in the house. Our eldest was around six and our youngest was three. Our six-year-old Rant was crying, almost in a panic. And she told us they had been playing hide and seek and she had hidden in one of the kitchen cabinets that was low to the ground. Our youngest hadn't found her and when she tried to exit the cabinet, the door was held shut against her. She had been crying to be let out and then all of a sudden the door released and she was able to leave. Those doors had no locking mechanism. They didn't click shut. So at that point I was starting to wonder if the woman in the kitchen wasn't as peaceful as she seemed to be. We comforted her and tried to help her believe that it was just an accident. But she was smart. She knew those doors didn't lock and there really was no way it could have happened that any of us could explain. She still remembers that to this day. Some days when I'd be washing the dishes in the kitchen, I would hear my husband speak to me over my shoulder and I would turn around and I would be completely alone. One time I heard him giggle in my ear and I laughed and turned around saying, what are you giggling about? And there was no one there. That really freaked me out. Now we were dealing with a mimic. I didn't sign up for that. One night my husband and I went out for a date night and I called my best friend to come and watch the girls, which she often did for us. She lived just down the street. At around midnight she called me and asked, Hey, is your house haunted? I laughed and said, Maybe, who knows, why? And she replied that it was nothing to worry about and we just left it at that. Later she came clean that she'd had her boyfriend over and didn't want to tell me because she hadn't asked and they'd been outside smoking a cigarette and through the glass panes of the back door of the kitchen her boyfriend saw a woman dressed in black looking at him. He ran off and refused to ever come back. So now two people had seen her and that's a lot harder to dismiss. I don't want to leave out the man in the basement though. The man in the basement apparently gave off such an evil vibe that our girl's nanny refused to ever go down to the basement as she was a sensitive. If the basement door was ever left open, she'd chide me about it. 
There's something bad down there and you need to keep that door closed. I completely dismissed what she said because I never felt a thing down there or saw anything. But my husband did. He would hear heavy bootsteps walking up the basement steps and he would be filled with dread. One night, sitting on our front porch, we both heard the bootsteps walking back and forth along the front walk of our house with no one attached to them and he told me it was the man. I don't deal well with my family members being threatened and that was how my husband felt, threatened. So I stood up and I told him off. I told him he wasn't welcome here, that this wasn't his place and to leave us alone. The bootsteps stopped then, but he didn't leave. Things began to feel worse and worse at that house until something very extremely bad happened that changed our family forever. That I won't get into. But on one of our last nights in the house, he had sent me out to blow off some steam with some friends of mine and the bootman came back. Only this time he was inside the house. And as my husband was putting our daughters to bed, all three of them heard a man with heavy steps walking up the staircase towards their bedroom. My eldest daughter was hysterical because she thought there was a man in the house. I don't know what he did to get rid of them that night, but the bootman let the girls sleep. I didn't know about it until I got home, but needless to say I was ready to move out, and we did shortly thereafter. That was a very beautiful home, and I don't know why those spirits were there, but I don't ever want to go back. I wouldn't want to be going back either, to be honest. That all sounds so eerie. Sounds so eerie and so insidious. So you've got that woman in the black dress who was obviously hanging around in the kitchen. And ordinarily, if there's one person that had seen it, and only one person, you could put that down to, you know what I mean? It's it's something to do with that person. They're going through a stressful time. Maybe they imagined it. Maybe they're seeing things. Maybe they thought they saw it once and therefore they're more primed to see it afterwards. But your friend's boyfriend seeing it while he was in the house and then refusing to come back. Can you blame him? Like, who is that woman in the black dress? And why would she... Because the kind of... The implication is that she was the one who held the door closed. The press door closed on your daughter. So I don't know why she... Like, that seems like such a horrible thing to do to a child. And it's not really playful. Like, that is something that is done with the intention to scare somebody. And the man in the boots stomping around as well. Like, it just all sounds just uncomfortable. And I wouldn't have stayed either. I think moving out seems like the best course of action. Especially if your kids are hearing this stuff and being really hysterical because they think there's an actual man in the house who's going to hurt them or somebody's broken in. Like, sometimes you just got to make decisions that are based on keeping your family happy. And story number four comes from Zena. During my early academic years, I interned at the Pittock Mansion in Portland, Oregon. Built from 1912 to 1914, this beautiful four-storey, 23-bedroom home was a gift from Henry Pittock to his wife Georgina. The mansion has a golden entryway, a grand marble staircase, and of course, hidden staircases behind the walls, so the live-in servants could move about the large house and not be seen. My work was in the attic on the fourth floor, where the servants used to live. It's not a spooky Hollywood attic, but bright and airy with many windows, a bathroom bigger than any modern bedroom and the best views in the house. The servant bedrooms are now converted into offices for the mansion staff and storage of the family's household objects. 
My job was photographing and categorising the storage objects, historic housewares, century-old toys like stereo viewers and marionettes, and even the original journals, letters and photographs of the Pittock family members that lived there a century ago. I'd read their journals, admire their elegant calligraphy penmanship and stare into their photographs, imagining what they must have been like. I had just finished a project the day before photographing at least 100 teacups and saucers and came in early morning to start a new project. As I settled in, the curator came to my workspace to tell me she was sorry and had accidentally deleted all of my photos from the digital camera and I would have to do the whole project over again. She went back to her office and I was feeling a little discouraged as I powered on the camera to begin again. In this moment, I felt a heavy brush from my forehead to my hair, like a hand petting me. I turned around to look behind me, my natural response. But I had my back to a wall and was completely shut in with the storage objects, one way in and one way out. I looked for any dangling cobwebs or something to explain what had just touched me, but there was nothing. The touch was too heavy for a cobweb anyway. It didn't feel negative or ominous. It was more like an encouragement or a, oh, poor darling, type of touch. I imagined Georgina, who was known to be an extremely empathetic person, must have been watching me hard at work the day before and felt sad for me that I had to start again, so gave me a little pat of encouragement. Shortly after, I felt the touch in the mansion's attic, something odd happened in my home. I've heard that energy or spirits can follow you, and this is the only way I can think to explain what happened to me in between my visits to the mansion. I was in my home office, sitting at the computer, watching a movie while dipping pieces of French baguette into a bowl of chowder. I saw out of my peripheral vision the lump of bread rocking back and forth next to the keyboard and then stopping. The way my brain works is to immediately seek out an explanation. Maybe I bumped the desk. So I pushed hard on the desk. I did a big exhale and blew on the bread, but nothing moved. Later the same day, I was in my bedroom, gussying up in front of my dresser mirror, and felt what I thought was my cat's tail sliding from under my foot. I quickly said, sorry pickle, and looked down, but my cat was curled up on my bed, not at my foot. Again, I didn't feel anything negative or ominous. Maybe it was just Georgina from the mansion following me around, wanting to see my home and touch my things. In the late 1800s, Henry Pittock owned the local newspaper, The Oregonian, and was an influential figure in the success of the city, making Portland the most prominent city in Oregon. The mansion was also featured on the Travel Channel as one of Oregon's most haunted places. What a cool story! I do think that if the afterlife exists and if ghosts can come back and see what's going on, what's cracking in their houses, how nice would it be to see somebody coming and taking such care over your things, photographing everything, making a note of everything, being really careful with your things, looking after your things, making sure that they are kept tidy and clean and categorised and that you're looking and somebody's reading your journal and trying to understand who you are, and trying to understand the type of person you are. Ah, I think that would be, like, I think I'd find that really comforting. Except for the reading the journal bit. Because you never know what secrets are in there. 
So that's a word of warning to anyone who is listening. If you're writing in a journal, when you die, somebody might read that journal. So maybe I need to start like making up stuff in my journal so that when I die, people think I'm a lot more exciting or a lot more deep and I have a lot more wisdom than I actually do. Oh, maybe that's the plan. And story number five comes from Nicole. I've always believed and had respect for spirits. I would have random things happen to me every so often, but nothing for me to be scared of. This instance, though, was too close for comfort for me. I used to work in retail. My store had a long, stretched back room that I always felt uncomfortable in, almost like I was being watched by something I couldn't see. In my particular store, we had certain days of the week where we'd have to come in at 6am for cleaning. We had automatic doors that we would unlock that early so employees could just pull the door open instead of knocking in the hopes that someone could hear them. Customers, usually the elderly, would also pull the doors open and try to shop, telling us the door was broken. We would always politely tell them that we weren't open and they needed to come back later. On this morning, it was just me and my manager. He would usually go into the office and try and get some work done while I would do the morning cleaning duties. I was in the back left side of the building minding my own business when all of a sudden I saw an older gentleman looking at me from around the corner. I didn't think anything of it, considering this happened often. When I realised he was staring at me, I turned to him and started to say, Sir, I'm sorry, but we're closed. I didn't even get my full sentence out before he quickly pulled back as if to hide from me. I didn't feel uneasy. I honestly was more annoyed than anything that I now had to stop what I was doing to go and find this man. I circled the entire store and even went into the back stock room looking for this man. I couldn't find him so I figured he had gotten embarrassed and ran out of the store. I went to my manager to tell him what had happened. He gave me a funny look. I asked him why he was looking at me like that and he said, Oh, it's nothing. Just let me know if you see him again. After about a month had gone by and I hadn't seen the man since. It was another early morning cleaning shift. I was in the middle of the store, cleaning shelves and displays. This particular section that I was in had shelves that were only about four and a half to five feet tall, so you could see people usually from chest up. I was wiping down a display and I turned around to the shelf behind me to grab my cleaning supplies. And there he was, not even two feet in front of me in the next aisle looking directly at me. I screamed because I wasn't expecting to see someone. Just as fast as he was there, he was gone. I didn't feel anything negative or positive for that matter, just a presence. My manager came running out of the office to make sure that I was okay. When I told him that I had seen the elderly man again, this time directly in front of me, my manager sat me down and decided to tell me. He told me he didn't want to tell me the first time because he didn't want to scare me. But now he felt he needed to. He explained to me that a few years before, an elderly gentleman worked at my store. He ended up getting hurt badly in the back stockroom and passed away. After this happened, I told my other co-workers. None of them had experienced anything other than feeling like someone was watching them, but nothing more. I don't know why he decided to show himself to me, but I believe he thought he scared me, because I never saw him again. 
but I would almost always feel him around me. I would say hi every time I went into the back room. I even had to ask him to back off a few times because I would feel like he was so close behind me and I had no room to breathe. I recently went back to that store and asked the employee if he had any weird feelings there. Seeing as it's been about five years, it's all new staff. The employee immediately said, Oh yeah, there's a ghost here. He makes noises all day. But the back room is where I feel like I'm being watched the most. I will never forget this experience or that man. And I hope he is at peace. Oh, I really hope he's at peace too. I mean, what a horrible way to die in your place of work. Especially after what sounds like an accident had happened at his place of work and that was how he died. It just sounds awful. And what a strange experience. I think if you weren't a believer before that, I mean, you definitely would be afterwards for sure. And it does sound like he wasn't trying to actively scare you. Like when he realised that you had seen him the first time he sort of ducked out of the way, which inadvertently probably made everything way more creepy. Because that visual of something like ducking out of your way when you see it is pretty scary. I don't know, but maybe he liked your energy or your vibe. Maybe he felt like he you were somebody that he could appear to. Um, just as a side note, if you can hear any noises in the background, I have new neighbours literally in the last couple of days. They've just moved in and they have two small children. And um, previously, my neighbour who lived next door to me was just a, a woman living on her own with her dogs. But now it's parents and their their two children. And I keep forgetting that there's now kids living next door. So last night in the middle of the night, I woke up to the sound of this these like little footsteps thundering around and I was like what is that and then I was like oh yeah there's kids live next door next door now but I keep freaking myself out about it so if you can hear footsteps or at the moment one of them is sort of half singing half screaming so if you can hear that somehow in the background that's that's what it is it's just my new neighbors and story number six comes from st I've always been very sensitive to supernatural vibes and energies in general for as long as I can remember I can recall many experiences vividly and seeing people and animals that were there and then gone. As I've aged, the experience have been less visual but more energy-based and hearing things. One of the things that always eluded me was the house that I grew up in. This house was a small two-storey at the end of the street and near the railroad in a very small town. The house was built on the land by a police officer and he and his family lived there until my parents purchased it. My parents don't recall him having a family at the purchase. People in town would speak of the officer that lived there and said he was very unpleasant. Many little things have happened. Music blaring out of nowhere, doors slamming and creaking floors when no one else is home. Plenty of shadows all over the place. And the one that still haunts me is the breathing in your ear or neck while you sleep or whispering your name. My story starts with me at the age of seven. I was an only child. I had half-siblings, but they didn't live with us. I had terrible nightmares and would wake up crying and screaming and running to my parents' room until my early teens. All three bedrooms were located upstairs. It was a normal evening, and I recalled a terrible thunderstorm was looming. I went to bed as usual, closing my bedroom door and snuggled under my blanket, locking my arms at the top and making sure the blanket was wrapped under my feet. I woke in the early hours of the morning because I had had a nightmare. The nightmares during this time in my life were very intense and vivid. 
They always involved dark shadows or creatures trying to contact me or touch me. I eventually trained myself to be able to wake myself up in these terrible nightmares. This time I did what I always do and ventured to my parents' room. Woke my mom, and she would just let me climb in. I recall lying in my parents' bed and my dad had gotten up to get ready for work. There was a crazy thunderstorm, so naturally I was wide awake. I was lying on my dad's side of the bed and heard the floor creaking like steps towards the door. My initial thought was that it was my father coming in to possibly say goodbye. My parents did not sleep with their door closed. I looked at the door and a huge flash of lightning struck at the same time and lit up the whole room. In the doorway there was a man leaning around the corner of the door in a full black suit, a white shirt, white gloves and a top hat. His face is what will always be sketched in my head. His massive grin with spaced out teeth. His teeth looked like they were decaying and that took up the lower part of his face and those solid black eyes almost winked at me. I screamed so loud and shook, my mom jolted out of the bed in a panic and my dad flew up the stairs to me crying on the side of his bed. Both my parents attended to me, and I was trying to tell them what I saw. They looked confused and thought that I must have been asleep and that I was having a nightmare. But I was awake. The thing is, this guy has haunted my nightmares before and after, and it's something I can never forget. But I've not seen him since I moved away from that house. I moved away as an adult, but when I would visit this house, I would get anxiety and unnecessary nightmares. Every time arriving, I felt uncomfortable and felt I was always being watched. My parents recently sold the house and I've never felt such a sigh of relief. Only after they sold the house, my parents finally told me they also had haunted experiences and informed me that they did not want to share that with me until they did not own the house anymore. I still have experiences now in my life, but they are much less and not as intense as they were when I lived at my parents. That's such a double-edged sword really, isn't it, as a parent? Like, I totally understand why they didn't tell her that they were also experiencing things. Because on the one hand, yes, by telling her, you're telling her that you believe her. You're telling her that in some way you understand what she's going through. But on the other hand, while telling her that, yes, you are also experiencing this, you are telling her that this is real and that you should be frightened. So it's a real double-edged sword. Like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I think I'd do the same thing where I just wouldn't say anything until they were old enough to fully understand and appreciate it. I've got a new question about the hat man. What's with the hat? That's it. That's my question. What's with the hat? What, what, What do you need the hat for? Is it for recognition purposes? Is it like it's become his trademark? Where he's like, oh, I, I sort of started with a hat and now I'm stuck with it. I can't can't let go of the hat. In which case, I'd be wearing different hats all the time. But it just feels weird to be making a fashion statement as a paranormal entity, to be honest. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Helen, Christine, Amanda, Zena, Nicole and ST for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from September the 23rd, 2021. And if you would like to know anything about real-life ghost stories, you can check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. 
You can also sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories if you are desperate for some extra content where you get all of these episodes ad free. And if you sign up for $5 a month, you get access to an extra episode weekly. And if you sign up for $2 a month, you get access to a back catalogue of a bad movie review podcast. And on that note, I will see you next time.